Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Devine. I'm with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we're going to talk about the Champions League, the results from the rest of the games for the group stages. Uh, we're going to talk about how horrible Barcelona is and continues to be. And then we're going to get into the Prem and some gambling. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome in, everybody. We hope you guys are about to enjoy the topics that we have for you. Lucas, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. Uh, very exciting uh, week of football over the past week, the weekend, and then Champions League this week. There was so much, uh, so much to talk talk about. Um, as we talked about in the opener, we have some interesting topics. Uh, with that, Nick, I think we should just jump into the Champions League and the first game and the first group that we want to discuss, which is Group E. Yeah. Which is the Bayern Munich, Benfica, Barcelona, and Dinamo Kiev group. I think this was the one that really uh, you didn't know how it would end up, but you could also predict how it would end up because this was the only group that had anything to fight for, really. Every other group, they first and second, everybody was qualified. It was just uh, Group E, where it was really coming down to the last day. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll kick it over to you because you're the Real Madrid fan. You're going to love sharing this news. So, yeah. Nick, take it away. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I had called this uh, in the beginning. We'll have to check the tapes, Lucas, but I think I had Barcelona finishing third in this group. Uh, I want to I want to go back and really look at that, but uh, they do. I think we both did because yeah. they were facing Bayern. Yeah, exactly. And then Benfica, uh, even though they kind of like have underperformed this year, they're not uh, they're not as dysfunctional compared to Barcelona, right? So Bayern finishes the top six wins out of six. Uh, no surprises there. Smashes Barcelona. Uh, we had bet. The Lewandowski hat trick, it didn't even come close. He didn't even score at all, which was kind of uh, disappointing because we kind of had like the revenge games vibes. But uh, Barcelona just aren't even like a, they aren't even in a level behind Bayern. They're like two or three levels behind Bayern right now. Uh, Benefica gets four points from them. Right. And that kind of ends up being the undoing for Barcelona in this group. I actually think, Lucas, uh, before I give it back to you, the most impressive thing for me in this group is that Barcelona gets seven points from scoring two goals through all six games, right? When they had averaged around 15 goals per group stage uh, in the Champions League for the past, like, 10 years prior to that. So for them to only get two goals here... Uh, I believe they got 16 last year. It just goes to show how horrible they have really been and how underwhelming they have been this year. Just doesn't get the feeling that it's it's like what Ronaldo was when he left Real Madrid, when it was just a year of messing up and then coming back. It seems more like the dark era has started for them, and it may take a long time for them to to recover from this, Maybe if, maybe four or five years. Yeah, I agree, uh, 100%. And I actually mentioned this in a in a few podcasts ago when we were talking about Xavi uh, being their manager. I mentioned that it was going to be a long-term solution. He can't change this team instantly. Um, and I don't think they're in a position to win anything this year. 
or even get close to winning anything. He just needs to get his tactics into place because they have a good young squad. They need to get the old old guys out of there and just get that new style of play in with the youngsters. You have to get Gavi get going. You have to get Pedri playing. You have to get um I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Ansu Fati going. Like you have to get those guys who are 19, 18 years old, 17 years old even. Uh, more playing time. It you have to scrap the season. And I mentioned this a, a couple months ago when Xavi was first uh, appointed. Scrap the season. We're, don't worry about the season. Just get the get the squad in a good place for next year to compete. Because at this rate, we saw that they are so poor, absolutely poor. Yeah. Um, you, you only score two goals in a group stage. It's just astonishing. Yeah, and I just wanna I just wanna talk about their their um, league performance as well this year. You know, I've said this over the past uh, you know few episodes that it's a, it's a, gonna be difficult for them to qualify for the Champions League. And uh, with every like set of matches that I see them they, them essentially perform, it kind of gets worse and worse, right? They go they beat Villarreal, which seems very promising, and Espanol, and they draw with Benfica, which gives them a chance to to go through on this last day, but then they lose to Real Betis and then they lose to, to Bayern. Betis is one of the teams that's competing uh, for the Champions League spots against Barcelona. And they're, they're right now they're seven points ahead on the table. Atletico ha- has the same amount of games played as Barcelona and, and is six points ahead, right? Real Madrid is <laughs> it's 16 points ahead of Barcelona right now. So the season's not even like halfway over and their, their league hopes are done. And we kind of knew they weren't going to win the league this year, but that just kind of cements it for them. And uh, it's just it's just very uh, disappointing to see them perform so poorly. You know, you want your uh, you want your rivals to be good, but you want to beat them. Beating Barcelona right now it doesn't uh, doesn't get anything. Like I don't get any enjoyment out of it because it's just expected at this point. It's like playing it's like playing the New York Jets. That's what it feels like to me. Wow, throwing shots right there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh no, I, I would agree with Barcelona. It's just they're in the darkest place right now. It's been 20 years since they've been in the Europa League. They're going back to the Europa League. And I also think the squad is not good. <laughs> like they have good young talent, but the squad itself is not good. Defensively, they're they're at, like absolute crap it like offensively Memphis Depay is not quality whatsoever imagine replacing Messi with Memphis Depay like that is absolutely horrendous um I think this shows that Messi over the past two years was actually carrying the team on his back like the fact that he was able to get them into uh, a top three finish every year into the Champions League group stage every year, into uh, the Copa del Rey semifinal or final, whatever it may be, even winning the Copa del Rey. Like, it shows that Messi had such an impact on this team, and without him, they've crumbled. They've absolutely crumbled. Whereas, like like you mentioned, when Ronaldo left for Real Madrid, or left Real Madrid for Juve, they had just, I would say it was a few months of a bad period, and it wasn't like a dark era. You knew they were going to bounce back. They still had the talent. They still had the same coaching staff. They still were able to do it. 
Um, this, it, it's just sad to see what they've become. But uh, I don't know, man. It, it's just horrible, horrible. Like, Bayern absolutely obliterated them. And honestly, I, I, it, it's quite funny that they were able to get seven points with those two goals, like you said. Yeah. Like, imagine scoring two goals and still being able to get seven points, and they still almost managed to get second place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they beat Kiev twice, and then they, they get the 0-0 draw with Benfica. That helps them uh, get those seven points, but just so underwhelming from them. Uh yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to see where they they go from here. But uh, you know, they're gonna play Europa League, right? I just want to talk about this real quick. They're gonna play Europa League. Uh, they're gonna play with Dortmund, with Sevilla, uh, West Ham. <laughs> you know, like, and uh, I, honestly, if you if you're looking at the Europa League right now, uh, I wouldn't even pick them to win it. To be honest, I pick Sevilla to win it just because Sevilla is the most successful team in that competition and historically and their managers won it before and there's players on that team that have won it before so i don't even think that they'll have fun in europa league i just think that it's going to just be uh more disappointment and who knows maybe they get knocked out by david moyes and the boys yeah that would be so funny if they got get knocked out by west ham like actually hysterical um so with that uh, is there anything that you want to uh discuss more about barcelona before we move on to the rest of the groups uh, would you rather be a West Ham fan right now, or would you rather be a Barcelona fan? West Ham. Okay. Good. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I agree. West Ham, like, they're fun to watch, and they're like the underdogs. Like, you, nobody expects them to win. And I mean, we'll we'll get into this later on when we talk Premier League. But they had a huge three-two victory over Chelsea Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, nobody expected them to win. Nobody expected them to beat Liverpool, and, and they win those games. Like. It's it's kind of fun for them. I agree. I agree. And uh, with that being said, let's go through the the rest of the groups, Lucas. So uh, Group A, right? Uh, no surprises here. Man City finishes top. They are going to finish top regardless of whatever results uh, play through this weekend. PSG finishes second. Leipzig qualifies for for Europa League by beating Manchester City. Um, they were going to qualify regardless because. Club Bruges has a negative 14 goal difference compared to Leipzig's one. Uh, nothing much to discuss here, right? Let me jump in there because there is something to discuss with RB Leipzig. Um, Jesse Marsh, the American manager, was sacked over the weekend. Uh, they're currently in eighth in the Bundesliga, which just led to the sacking. Um, we're still a huge Jesse Marsh stand podcast. Still think he's a great manager. He did great things for RB Salzburg. Um, I guess it just didn't, couldn't. It, it's tough to follow Julian Nagelsmann, who's one of the best managers in the world currently. It, and having sold a lot of their players, it's tough to be in the position that he was and perform well. But uh, sad to see him get sacked. But they had a, a big result over uh, Club Bruges. Yeah. Um, oh, no, sorry. A big result over Man City. Exactly. So, yeah, a big result over Man City to get into the third spot. Can I can I just add something real quick? Yeah, like, uh, it sucks for, for Jesse Marsh because uh, I do think he's a better coach than Greg Berhalter. And uh, he won the league last year with Salzburg, and he deserved this position, right? Salzburg have performed really well this year. 
uh, really well. So I don't know what ended up happening there. Could could Jesse Marsh have held them back? I don't think that's the case because I agree with you. Ultimately, I don't think Leipzig has uh, the the horses like to compete right now, especially considering the past windows that they've had where they've gotten rid of Timo Werner and they've gotten rid like Sabitzer has left. You know what I mean? So got rid of Upamakano. Upamakano. Like yeah. three world-class players, you know, right there, just gone. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they perform going forward. I feel like the results will pick up, but uh, we'll see. Yep. Group B, uh, Liverpool qualify six wins from six. Uh, no complaints here by them. They've just been really dominant this year in all facets. Atletico Madrid, the mattress makers, make it through the second spot. And then Porto, followed by Milan. Milan, just super disappointing, uh, you know, return back to the the league. Uh, man, <laughs> Porto, Atletico, Madrid is just filled with, like, red cards. And, uh, you know, like Griezmann... Scoring that first goal kind of uh, helped ease them and save them this game. Uh, otherwise, you know, the, the last like 90, like the stoppage time was just crazy, right? Where I thought it goes scores that goal uh, and then Rodrigo de Porte scores again, basically to seal that result. So just overall, like, you know, when you have that kind of tension and you get that kind of result, uh, it brings a lot of motivation to the squad going into the Madrid derby this weekend. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's good to get the momentum. However, I mean, we'll get into this uh, when we discuss Real Madrid. That side is just so good. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything more to discuss besides Liverpool's dominance. They are, I think, in my opinion, one of the favorites to win the whole competition. Uh, in addition to Man City, which we discussed in, in Group A, I think Liverpool is up there. And they have the experience to be able to win that competition again because they've won it three years ago. So uh, it's definitely a team to watch out for. But, it's, I mean, with the Champions League, it's all fixtures and matchups. Yeah. So you get an easy matchup or easy fixture, you'll be able to move further along. And as you can see with how Tottenham were able to get into the Champions League final that one year, they had easy matchups to get in there. So it, it's all about the look of the draw. For sure. And uh, with that being said, before before we go to the next uh, next group, our boys at Dortmund almost did it, which is crazy. No. no. Oh, they lost the head-to-head? Is that it, what it was? Yeah, the head-to-head. You know what it is? It's disappointing because I, if Holland plays those other three games, they definitely finish second, like no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, they're going to probably tear up in uh, Europa League, too. Yeah, I think they'll they'll be one of the teams to be in the Europa League if Holland can stay healthy. He's played in two games already, and he's already scored. No, three games already. Not even played a full 90 minutes in each of the games. And he's already scored, like, four goals, I want to yeah. say. He's got 17 goals in 12 games so far this year. Unreal. Unreal. For, for, yeah. I'm just talking about the last week. Yeah, when he came back, like just unreal. Um, this group, I think you need to call out Ajax. Ajax are unreal this year, and, and you have to give credit where credit's due. Eric Ten Hag has been phenomenal for this team. You know, there's only six 
clubs who have won all six games in their uh, group. One of them is Ajax. Mm-hmm. There's three clubs that did it this this uh, Champions League, which was Bayern Munich, Ajax, and Liverpool. Previously, only three teams have done it. So only, so three teams have done it this time, essentially doubling it. Like, very, very impressive stat. Uh, really good group to be a part of. And they are just so fun to watch. And Sebastian Aller, he has really rebounded from his West Ham days. Really has. Yeah. Different style of play now, like, compared to what they were doing at West Ham. And so him going to to Ajax is is really good for his career, and it's it's gonna it's obviously been really good for Ajax too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what else there is to to discuss here. Uh, no. Yeah, no. I think uh, Sporting finishing second. The, this group was finalized after match day five, so yeah, I think that covers it for Group C. Now I'll kick it over to you for Group D. Your group. Yeah, Real Madrid takes the top uh, spot. They beat Inter on the last uh, last match day of the season to clinch it. They had to draw or uh, or win to, to go through. Inter had to win to go through at, at the top of the group. So Real Madrid takes it, Inter second. Sheriff, who uh, were the Cinderella team through the first three games, uh, you know, they end up finishing third and qualify for, for Europa League. And then Shakhtar, with a really underwhelming performance, uh, finishing bottom with only two points. So, that I mean, my main takeaway for, for, for this group is just Sheriff did really well, but the results of the top two teams uh, was never in doubt by either of us, despite both of them losing to Sheriff, which is uh, really incredible to, to say. Yeah, no, I think this order, first, second, was never in doubt. Sheriff, of course, finishing third, it was definitely a surprise. And it'll be interesting how they perform in the Europa League. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, skipping Group E, right? You can take uh, take us through Group F. Beth, this was actually another group that went down to the last day. However, when it came to Manchester United, they secured that first spot no matter who won the previous, uh, who won the second and third matchup. So United finished top with 11 points. They did end up drawing young boys at Old Trafford, but they played a lot of their youngsters. Um, they played a lot of players under 19. Like, you didn't even have a squad of Ronaldo, Bruno, Jaden Sancho, Rashford. Um, none of them were even on the bench. You had the under-18s on the bench. Uh, so it was good to see a lot of the youngsters get get some playing time. Ahmad Diallo getting his playing time. Uh, Elanga, Mendy, and a lot of two youngsters who made their first Manchester United appearances in the Champions League in Zidane, Akbel, Iqbal, and uh, Charlie Savage, which is the famous Robbie Savage's son. Uh, yeah. Cool moment there. They finished top. And in the Villarreal and Atalanta game, it went to the last day. And we couldn't even find out until Thursday afternoon because there was a snowstorm on Wednesday. So Villarreal and Atalanta, in Atalanta, whoever won essentially would finish second and move on to the group stage, uh, knockout stage. And man, Villarreal, Atalanta, goal fest. Three to two for Villarreal. 
they went up 3-0, and Atalanta almost pulled it back uh, 3-3. But, man, it, looking at the game, looking at the stats, Atalanta fully deserved to win, and just Villarreal was more clinical. And it, all it takes is one day of being on top of your game, executing well, and that's what Villarreal did, and they deserve to get those uh, three points at the end of the day and getting that second-place spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing really to, to add there. Villarreal were up 3-0. <laughs> they, they almost squandered it, which is crazy. Uh, but ultimately, you know, they get the win. It's, it's really needed because they have not had a good season uh, this year. Had they even drawn, right, then uh, that they still would have gone through, I believe. So, yes. so looking at that and understanding that, then I think even when they were sitting at three nothing, there was really no chance that Atalanta was gonna come back to win it by scoring four in a row. So in, in that position, you know, they, they decide to sit back, which makes a lot of sense. Just uh, it's just you know, Atalanta, you live and die by the way you play. And, and then this is this is kind of the drawback. They overwhelm some teams in some games, but then also by being susceptible to leave yourself behind, it brings the chance that you could be down a couple of goals early. Uh, in this case, that's what happens to them. The other team scores first, and then that therefore plays into that other team's advantage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Group G, right? Lille finishes top uh, with RB Salzburg. Sevilla and Wolfsburg uh, do not make it through. Sevilla will go through on the, into the Europa League instead, and Wolfsburg is just out. Overall, Lucas, to be quite honest, I mean, if you were looking at Group G and just the teams based off of the brand alone, I would have probably picked Sevilla and Wolfsburg to finish uh, above Lille and Salzburg. Just based on historically, Wolfsburg uh, has you know won the Bundesliga before. Uh, they've been up there and competing in the Bundesliga for like the top four spots for a long time. Sevilla, you know, historically has the prestige of doing well in Europe and within La Liga. But uh, I mean, Lil, you know, to win three in a row for your last games and to go unbeaten in the last four, you get you get ten points basically from, from your last four games, not in your last three, right? Yeah. It seems like to me, I, I, I'd have to look back, but it feels like they were sitting like third or bottom before they made this run with only a point. But I'd have to, I'd have to double check that. It's just, uh, it's just a crazy run. I think they were actually bottom after match day three. So, you know, for, for them to go on this run to clinch the, the top of the group has been nothing but impressive for them. They get full credit. Uh, and this group was probably the most unpredictable out of all the groups at the beginning of the first match day. Yeah, I think this was definitely the most unpredictable. I, I would disagree where I would put uh, Wolfsburg in the two spot. I think Lille was the second best team in the group. Of course, the matchups don't show that. But I think Sevilla, if, if you're looking before the first match day, I would have put Sevilla first, Lille second. Because think about it. Yes, the brand name is not up there for, like, Sevilla or Wolfsburg, but Leo just won the legal. Like, they beat PSG to get that title. So yeah. that's a huge accomplishment. That's a huge uh, achievement for them. So I can see them finishing first or second. 
I, I would I I am very surprised by RB Salzburg. Very, very surprised. That team has really performed well and they were so hyped up to get that uh knockout stage uh promotion essentially because I think it's one of their first times doing it and I don't remember a time where they were this good. Last time I remember them being this good was when they had Erling Holland and then they transferred him in January to Dortmund and then they got really bad again. And then last year they did well with Jesse Marsh. And then I guess things just kept going and going. So I think this team really is a, a, an underdog, really. they are I would say they're one of the worst teams to be in the knockout stage. Uh, I can see whoever gets them having an easy run through to the next round. But all credit to them. Getting 10 points in a group with Sevilla, Lille, and Wolfsburg is no easy achievement anyway. So credit to them getting into that spot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm disappointed we won't see Salzburg versus Leipzig in the knockout stages. Uh, it is what it is. But uh, I guess I guess we can move on with Group H, right? Uh, and then we can go through our predictions for, for possible uh, matchups in the knockout rounds and what we think. So do you want to take over uh, going through Group H? So Group H was really interesting. So we knew it was going to be Juve and, uh, Juve and Chelsea to finish first and second. However, we didn't know who would finish first and second. So, Juve was playing Malmo in at home, and Chelsea were playing Zenit away. They were both playing at the same exact time, so of course they can't. They don't know the results of the other match. They they try to win their respective matches. If Chelsea had won, they would get. Uh, if Chelsea had won, they would get first place. If Juve had won, they would get second place depending on the Chelsea result. Essentially, Chelsea had all the control in their hands. So, Chelsea uh, just went and scored first within four minutes. So, they're up 1-0. They're smooth sailing. In the 40th and the 45th minute, I believe, Zenit score two goals back-to-back. So, now Juve still hadn't scored yet. It's still 0-0 against Malmo. Chelsea is losing 2-1. But... Because Juve was drawing, Chelsea would still advance. Then the second half comes, Juve score a goal. So Juve at this point with Chelsea losing and Juve winning, they would finish first. And then Chelsea just score, I think it was two goals in the 78th and then the 88th minute to end up leading 3-2. to two. Just unreal scenes. At that moment, you just assume Chelsea would like win like just as that's the assumption right there they would win they finished the group first only to have Zenit tie the game in the 95th minute and that goal is what caused Chelsea to finish second place Zenit essentially screwed Chelsea over of getting first spot Chelsea are going to have to face a tough opponent whoever it may be uh Whoever is in first place, I could honestly see them getting little and getting very lucky. Um, but Juve finishes the group first, Chelsea finishes the group second, Zenit finishes the group third. But just exciting, exciting matchups, exciting contests uh, on that match day. It was just back and forth. Uh, you didn't know who was going to finish first, but that's how it finished. And Chelsea finishing, finishing second is not what they wanted. 
because of course now they're likely going to get a more difficult matchup. Yeah. Yeah, because uh the thing the way that this played out, I believe in the round of 16, right? You don't you don't play uh teams from your own domestic league uh in the round of 16. So that means Chelsea's possible opponents are going to be Lille, Bayern, Real Madrid, or Ajax, right? So that just puts them in such a bad spot. And I guess this is such a great segue, Lucas, into yeah. talking about the knockout stages and the matchups. So so that, that matchup by itself, right, automatically puts the English clubs in such a favorable position. Because the, I mean, Man City is not going to draw PSG. Man City especially. Let me just let me just go through this because they're not going to draw PSG again because they were in the same group. Yes. So Man City, their opponents are either going to be Atletico Madrid, Sporting, Inter, Benfica, Villarreal, or RB Salzburg. Yeah. It sounds like to me that they have like an automatic. I don't want to say automatic, but their shot of going to the quarterfinals is essentially done. Uh, I just think I just think they play against Atletico or they play against Inter. I think they they can win those matchups. But like if you're talking about Benfica, Villarreal, Salzburg, you know, like over the course of two legs, it just it just to me it says that Man City has a great advantage of going through to the quarterfinals. Like I would say, seventy-five to eighty percent chance they go through. So with that being said, right, uh, for the rest of the teams to have PSG and Chelsea uh, as like one of the teams that you may face going forward is going to be very difficult. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and who gets Lil and who gets Ajax, right? Because I don't think Ajax is a, is a walk in the park at all. But I think if you're a second place team, you would want Lil. Yeah. Uh, if you're no, if you're yeah, if you're a second place team, you would want Lil. Yeah. Um, but from an entertainment standpoint, I would love to see PSG and Ch- or Chelsea face. I would love to see PSG versus Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see Chelsea versus Bayern. Okay. I would I would just love to see it. it it's just so entertaining. Um, of course, I I can see Man United facing uh, PSG. That's that's. <laughs> oh. That's the likelihood that will happen. Whenever we get a chance to face off against PSG in the knockout stage in the round of 16, it inevitably happens. <laughs> like, United and PSG always face each other in the knockout stage. So that's what I think could happen. I I disagree that Atletico is not a walk in the park for Man City. You, you mentioned that. I, I would disagree with that. Anything could happen with Atletico. But, uh, like, of course, uh, I would say the likelihood that Man City moves on is probably 60%. uh, Because of the fact that they can't face Chelsea, they can't face PSG. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I want to say there's no easy matchup for anybody unless you get one of those teams from Group G. I think no matter who it is, it's going to be a difficult matchup. Um, but if you get Lille or RB Salzburg, I think that's the likelihood of getting through easily. Yeah. I, I would also say Juve, very underwhelming, very underwhelming team. They're underperforming significantly. We talked about them last week in the pod. 
they are underperforming significantly. They just scraped by with a 1-0 victory over Malmo. Like, that's not, that's, that's nothing. They only scored 10 goals and allowed six in the group stage in a group with... That's their way. Yeah, yeah. So, I would say if I was the second place, if I was PSG, I would prefer... Uh, well, I don't even think PSG can't get live. No. So I would prefer to get Juve. I if I was PSG, I would, I would prefer to get Juve. With Real Madrid too, it seems like they possibly might have the toughest road because um, they can't play at Villarreal and they can't play Atletico. Yes. So that leaves for them pretty much uh, PSG, Chelsea. Uh, and they can't play Inter, right? Benfica, Salzburg uh, is, is is essentially the teams that you're looking at. So, so I think that's right there. That's three teams uh, or four teams that they would have to to look to play. So, the chances of you getting Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Real Madrid, PSG uh, in the knockout stages for the round of 16 is very high. Yeah, very high. So, I mean, like I said before, if you're an English team, this this uh, this the way this bracket will shake out will favor you very likely. If if probably favors Man City the most, and if you had to pick a team that it favors the least, it's uh, probably Real Madrid. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's gonna just be interesting to see how this plays out, right? And if if I'm if I'm Juventus, uh. The possibilities of you getting any of these teams is very high as well, right? Because you you only have, and if you're sporting, right? Uh, because if you're sporting, you only have uh, you you don't like you don't play Benfica anyway because Benfica matched up in the second spot. But every other team is open, yeah, for you. And with Juventus, it's really just Inter and Chelsea, and every other team that finished in second is is open to you. So. I mean, it's going to just be interesting to see how this this plays out with this bracket and the the, the complexities that may arise. Uh, I do think that there is another draw for the quarterfinals, and then that's the right. final. Yeah, exactly, and that's the final thing. But just speculating based off of what we see now, it's going to be uh, really fun in the round of sixteen. Really fun. Teams. Um, I think. Well, the quarterfinals. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I see, depending on what it looks like, I can see, like, I, I would assume Sporting and RB at Salzburg and Lille end up uh, getting eliminated. So you can have, and Villarreal, I, you can have really, really good teams Yeah. in the final eight. Yeah, and I honestly consider Ajax on the same level as any of the teams that finished in first place as well because they've just been playing that well. They have made a run in the Champions League in recent history. And so just based off of everything that we've seen from them in these group stages, they have a good shot of making it far no matter who they play. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. 100%. 100%. All right. Lucas, with that being said, uh, I want to hand it off to you because we want to talk about the Premier League this week. So... Why don't you go ahead and kick us off? So I alluded to this earlier, and we we talked about this last week, but the top three race in the Premier League is just so tight. And after last week, it essentially just flip-flopped. Because, as I mentioned, West Ham had beaten Chelsea 3-2. to 
Chelsea, had, uh, it, as we know, they're a very defensively sound team. So the fact that they let up three goals in back-to-back games, not only against West Ham, but they also let up three goals against Zenit, is a surprise. And with that, they went from first place all the way to third place. That's how you know how tight that first, play, first second, third position is within the Premier League. Because right now, Man City is uh, in first place with 35 points. Liverpool is in second with 34, and Chelsea is in third with 33. But that match against West Ham, an, an unreal game, was a turning point. And I think that could be one of the reasons why Chelsea potentially don't win the league this year. Um, that One, I, I believe they were home as well. Oh, no, they were away. But in a game against West Ham, your your rivals, you would expect them to go out and win. And you would expect if Chelsea scores two goals, you would expect them to win as well because of how defensively sound Tuchel has gotten them to be. So that, to me, has been a huge surprise. And there are huge matchups coming up, uh, especially during the Christmas period, because as we know, the Premier League goes nonstop during the Christmas period. They have game, I, I think it's like five games in 15 days, which is just an unreal amount. They have a game after box, uh, during Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, uh, game after New Year's, like game after game after game. So this is where the league is going to start to look more uh, formed, essentially. It's, it's starting to look more like how we can see it finishing at the end of the season. If Chelsea continue to drop points and they're uh, in this poor run of form, I can see them dropping uh, out of the title picture. And if Liverpool and City continue to win their games like they've been doing, just they've been in phenomenal form, uh, I can continue to see them differentiate and break that gap. But there are huge games coming up over the weekend where Liverpool is facing Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard is going home to Liverpool. Chelsea is facing Leeds, who... They aren't performing as well as they can be, but they're still a difficult matchup. And Man City are facing Wolves, who are known to be very defensive. So any of those games are losable or drawable. However, all three teams are home, so you would expect all three teams to win, right? But anything could happen in the Premier League. I I just wanted to touch on the first, second, third, because it's crazy that one game, one game is what got Chelsea from first to third. Yeah, man. And these these teams have been on such a tear, like Man City and Liverpool. Uh, they've caught up to Chelsea, and Chelsea have, haven't really dropped points. Uh, they, I mean, let me correct myself. They've started to drop points recently over the course of the last five games, having to drop, like, essentially seven points from those fixtures, while Liverpool have only dropped three and Man City haven't dropped any has led to this situation. So that goes to show that, you know, you could have a lead, even if it's six points in this league and your first place sitting pretty like Chelsea was. And then instantly over the course of a few match days, you could find yourself third and looking up. Right. But these three teams, like you said, I agree hundred percent. They're all in it. The, the race for fourth is also very interesting you know, Arsenal were sitting in fifth in good position. And then over the course of two games, having uh, having lost both of those games, right, 
both of them, honestly, they did deserve to lose. Uh, you know, they find themselves in seventh. And you have Manchester United with Ralph Ragnick, uh, Tottenham with Antonio Conte, West Ham with David Moyes having just beaten Chelsea, all looking to, to take form and take shape. So this race is just only getting started. And it's crazy that there's been so much movement so recently, uh, and we're not even halfway through. Like, Lucas, I can't remember a time where there was so much switching of positions after every single match day weekend uh, this far into the season. I, uh, like, I, can't, I can't remember that either. Can't. I can't. Even last year, right? Even last year, it it was it was tight, but it wasn't like this. It's no. like it's like you can win you can win like two three games in a row and find yourself in sixth and seventh place. Yeah, and that's yeah, it, it's crazy that how tight it is for that fourth position. It's crazy like from seventh to fourth, it's only a four point gap. Even from eighth to fourth, it's yeah. a it's a six point gap. That's only two games if you think about it. Um, it's very tight. And, and before, like before, before I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to talk about the relegation teams, right? Because it's so competitive and so tight, we could see record numbers and how low, uh, points are for teams at the bottom to get relegated. Like we could see, you know, 15 through 20 ending around 30 points, 35 points. And the teams that get relegated end up with like 28, 30 points because of how tight it is. Because think about it, it's it's been 15 match days, and there are, you know, six, seven teams that are only sitting on 16 points. We think Brentford has had a good season. They only scored, they've only amassed 17 points so far. And any other year, this would kind of normally be like a relegation battle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I mentioned earlier, anything can happen over these next three weeks because the Christmas, the festive period, as they call it, is rapid. There are games every three days. Like, you have nothing to prepare for. It's anything can happen from the table within those 15 days. So it's going to be interesting because I can see a team like Burnley who historically end up saving themselves no matter what. And they have a decent goal differential as well. I can see them finishing in the 15th spot because there's a six-point gap between Burnley and Leeds. Like, uh, six points, if you think about it, it's not in this festive period where you have five games, it's not a big gap to fill. You can easily do it if you if you rack up wins, if you get that form that you need. So, uh, really, anything could happen. But Nick, after you talked about the relegation battle, I had a question for you. And we we talked about the top four race, but I, it was a part of the top four race. With Arsenal, being an Arsenal fan, what is your idea? What, what are your thoughts on Arteta? Because in November, he was in great form. He was, he was a tactical manager. All the Arsenal fans wanted him to stay. And now he loses two games in a row. And he's back in the doghouse. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, listen, for, for me to, uh, to answer this question, I think, you know, in hindsight, I've been pretty fair uh, about it, right? I thought that when they got eliminated for, from Europa League last year, 
that that squad was good enough to to win it, win it all essentially, right? If you looked at it, it was Manchester United, Villarreal, uh, Ar- Arsenal. I forgot who Man United played, but Arsenal played, I believe, Villarreal, lost to Villarreal. You know, they had a chance to make that final and they had a shot of winning it. I thought he should have been let go then and there. Uh, I will say the transfer window that Arsenal had over the summer was like A+. Plus. A plus because I look at all the signings that they made and they've all contributed and they've all played really well. So for me to sit here and say that these two games uh, that we've lost in a row have kind of uh, derailed, you know, what I think of him. I mean, we've lost three out of four, but prior to that, we were in good form. So I just think that what's really done people in is not the Manchester United performance, but the Everton performance where we're expected to win and Everton outplays us essentially the whole time. uh, And we end up losing. So I just think that these next run of games are going to favor Arsenal a lot, especially in this next month. You know, you're talking about them playing uh, Southampton, Leeds United, Sunderland, and the League Cup, Norwich, Wolves. They play Man City and West Ham uh, within this month, but it's the same thing as what you were saying before, Lucas. Like, I can't answer this right now. I would say that we're expected to finish within the top six. If we don't finish in the top six, then I think uh, that's a disappointment. But regardless of whether, you know, how we get there, it doesn't matter to me. So I'm not the type of person to demand that someone gets fired after a couple of games. You know what I mean? I, I said he should have gotten fired based off of the the way we went out of the Europa League last season and the performances that we had. So, I mean, we're, we're essentially around the same as when we were before. But if, we, if results don't pick up and we don't finish sixth, then I think he should go. But do I think the squad is talented. I do. I think it's really talented and I think it's it's a way better squad than it was last season. I just think that in terms of uh you know, the goals that we've allowed and the fact that we haven't scored as much as you know, Arsenal should it is what's contributed to people's hate for him. And I have I have to agree honestly, like I look at the attacking players we have and I don't I don't mean to go on a long rant, but you know, we should be scoring more than 18 goals in the league. After 15 games, we should be around like 25 to 30. Uh, and Abba Mayang should be scoring more. And, you know, we, we just have not gotten that contribution from the striker position like we should have. Yeah, I was going to say that your strikers are not good. Um, you don't have that clinical finisher that can just be up there and finish goals like you at all. Uh, if you did, you would probably been able to win games against like Brighton where you finished nil nil. You were able to win games against Crystal Palace where you finished a draw. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't watch Arsenal games as much uh, as other teams, but uh, I can see from the game against Everton and the game against United, I can see something similar in what we had with Man United with Oli in Arteta. Yeah. I don't I don't see that I I just don't see an identity in that team. I don't know how they're going to play. Like one day they can just go out and play like Pep or how Pep manages his team where it's tiki-taka. And then one day I can just see them not knowing how to play soccer whatsoever. You know? 
I just I don't have an, a sense of how Arteta puts his team together. And I've started to realize that more as I'm starting to watch how United play now. You can see there are changes in the uh, technical and the tactical ability of the team and the structure of the team. And looking at the United and the Everton games, I didn't see that. I just didn't see that. And then you could also point to Liverpool. You uh, you can point to the Liverpool game. You can point to the City game. You can point to the Chelsea game where you guys got demolished because they were tactically more sound than you. So that is my me playing devil's advocate for Arteta not being the man for the for the future. But of course, you have to give him the time. Uh, We gave Ole the time. If he doesn't pick it up, if he doesn't get that uh, tactics, the tactics in order, then you can say, all right, yeah, we need to think of another solution. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say in terms of Arsenal squad, just looking at it uh, from top to bottom, the the defenders are really good now. Uh, we're probably missing a, a striker and, and a center midfielder. So that's that's kind of what's keeping Arsenal in terms of the squad level back uh from competing for those top four spots and even possibly the league and also the manager like you said before i think uh and i'm just going to say this before we move on to our final segment i think that you're right and i've said this before too where ole and arteta are very similar in their trajectories in terms of their winning streaks and then their losing streaks and then just when you think they're out somehow they just pull it off and we lose the matches we're expected to win, and somehow occasionally we win matches where we're expected to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for, for being a manager, it's always a balance. And I think with Arteta, from what I've seen, it's just he's too he's too like tactically rigid. You know what I mean? So I, when I when I think about when I think about you know what he does, a lot of times what ends up happening is that he'll have these tactics and he want players to follow specific things. But unfortunately, because he's too rigid, what ends up happening is that they end up being way worse off than they were before because there's too much rigidness in the tactics and he's too forceful. Sometimes it's good to let the players be creative and play, but have improvements in positioning. So thinking about that and thinking about where... Uh, Arsenal are in the standing. Can they make it to the Europa League in the top six? They can. I just, uh, it's going to be difficult. And like you said, that how they finish at the end of the season will determine whether or not he should be the manager going forward. If he does not finish in the top six, uh, he will not stay and they should get someone of, of higher quality. I know, I know Manchester United want Ten Hag. I also want Ten Hag. Overmars is the director over there at Ajax. Uh, he's phenomenal, and so yeah, who's the CEO at IX? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. Who is, he? is he? Yeah. Yeah, man, these Dutchmen uh, <laughs> know how to play football. I gotta say that, you know. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I would love Overmars for to be the the director of football at Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you would love Van der Sar to be in charge of Manchester United with the decisions he makes. Yeah, but, we'll see. I, I, like you said, I want Ten Hag as a manager. He's a brilliant manager. Yeah. Um, and I can see him being the uh, heir to 
Ranyik, uh, who's going to move on to a two-year consultant role. And I think that's why they brought in Ranyik, so he, they can get Ten Hag in the summer. Um, I think that's their top goal. But yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. And um, if they finish top six, I can see them giving him another year. And then if they don't continue to improve and get that top four, I can see them sacking him. But of course, if the if the fixtures and the results don't improve, you have to you have to make a switch. You have to do something to improve the squad and get the results. I agree 100. Uh, uh, yeah. Just just to say, two players, if if Arsenal had signed, I would consider them in the same tier as the the other top four teams, right? Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. Uh, if they signed Vlahovic from Fiorentina, and then if they signed Yuri Telemans. Uh, from Leicester, those would be the two signings that I would look at the squad, and I would put them uh, in a high class, uh, the same as the, those other four teams. Where would you play Yuri Tillemans? In the center of the midfield. So he would play. He would. So, who would he replace? So he would play. He would probably play uh, with the rotation. You know, all, the thing is, right, Lucas? Like these good teams have like three or four center midfielders that they rotate with. Mm-hmm. So. Tillmans would probably play really well with Jaka, probably play really well with Lukanga and Partey. So, I mean, I think he fits in with all those, and I think all four of these players could play really well with each other, no matter who the rotation is. So yeah. that's that that's my answer for that. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but like <laughs> I think I think it the answer is true. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a fair response. Uh because you do need depth. You really do. Shall we open up the fan duel? Now let us open up the FanDuel. I have my bets ready to go. Do you have your bets? Uh, you go first. Okay, so let's let's recap what we did last week. Um, we were, I believe, two for four last week, where uh, I had Chelsea money line, Real Madrid money line. So Real Madrid money line hit, and Nick had Arsenal money line, and Atalanta to win, and Atalanta hit. So. Two for four. Previously, we were three for four. Um, started off this week. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go back to it. I'm just gonna do it. Real Madrid money line plus one ten. I don't know how they keep getting plus money line. It just doesn't make sense. It's against Atletico Madrid, so of course it, it's a tougher matchup. But they're home, and they're on a huge win streak. And they just beat Inter Milan, uh, which me and Nick also bet on their money line. Huge win. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I I just don't know how they keep getting plus money line. So I think plus 110. They just want they just want us to get money. Yeah, they do. I mean, listen, I was if you didn't say it, I knew you were going to say it. But if you didn't say it, that's the one I was going to pick as well. I just uh, <laughs> it's just crazy to me that that's like. That's the thing that they end up just going to every single time. And it's going to be interesting to see. I have uh, I have AC Milan over Udinese. I really like that bet. AC Milan's minus 115 against oh. Udinese. Yeah, so I, I really just like that bet. Uh, and that's something that I would strongly consider putting money on. All right. Uh, another one is Manchester United versus Norwich City. I have the Ronaldo minus 120 anytime goal scorer. Okay, that's a great one. Norwich tend to give up a lot of goals, and Ronaldo is due for a goal uh, in the Premier League. He hasn't scored in quite a bit, so I can see this game being the Ronaldo uh, Ronaldo show, really. 
Um, minus 120, you'll likely not get that very often at or often at all uh, for Ronaldo. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think that's a really good bet. Um, for me, right, I just have to go with uh, Crystal Palace over Everton, right? Draw no bet. So so I like this because, one, it secures the, the draw out of the equation. The Palace are minus 168. Uh, they've lost three in a row, but they've performed really decently across those games, right? So I just expect them to have a bounce back. I don't think Everton have performed well at all this year. And I also just uh, want to give a shout because I know that when we play, uh, when we do the podcast next week, right, the episode we record may not be, you know, up by the time we place our bets. So those match days that are going for, for the next round, I really like Tottenham against Leicester City. So you get, you get plus odds for Tottenham, and Tottenham have been on a tear. Leicester have not been impressive at all this year. So I really, I just really like that bet. Uh, and I'm going to give you the odds right now. Tottenham are plus 230 uh, to win. So that's something else that I would really think about. If, uh, if I had to, to pick either Crystal Palace or Everton versus Tottenham or Leicester, Leicester, I would probably pick the Tottenham bet overall. So give me Tottenham and AC Milan for this. I like that. And I actually have a third one too. Um which is Atalanta money line against one second. Uh, Atalanta money line against anybody. Yeah, Atalanta money line against anybody, really, because the last two games, Nick has been on a roll with Atalanta. They're playing Verona, uh, who Verona is in 10th place right now, but Atalanta in the league have just been on a tear, and minus 110 uh, for Atalanta is, is pretty good odds right there. Yep, that's the one also that I would bet. And then what's the over for two and a half as classic? Oh, unreal. Like, it's not even worth betting. Yeah, the over is minus 174. So I guess it's worth it to do over three and a half at plus 140. Yeah. And then what if we what if we double that up like the, uh, like the gamblers we are? We get plus 310 odds for over three and a half with the Atalanta money line. So steamy stuff, steamy stuff. But... Uh, so, all right, Lucas, what are what are our official bets? AC Milan, Atalanta, uh, Tottenham. Ronaldo, and- anytime goal scorer, Real Madrid, money line, uh, and Atalanta. Take Crystal Palace off the table then. I'll do I'll do over three and a half for Atalanta instead. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right, so those are our six bets to make up for the match days that we have coming up. Like it. I really like it. Yeah, we've we've been pretty good. Uh, just to talk about the the run we've been on, we should really have a bankroll and just make notes over yeah. our bankroll, right? But uh, we're in the plus money because the the two the two bets we hit on were both plus odds bets. So yep. no matter what, we made money even though we broke even on our predictions. And then the previous week we were three out of four, so we're we're a hundred percent in the plus. We're five for five for eight, five for eight. So. You know, this will be for whatever it is out of 14 possible bets that we've given you guys. All right, Lucas. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? I, I think we had a great pod today. Uh, covered off on a lot. Um, as always, given there's two match days and this is the time of the year where there's going to be back to back to back to back days of soccer. Enjoy them, Techers, boys and girls. That, that, just enjoy this time of year. 
Dude, talking about techers, right? And I'm going to end it with this. Our boy that we've talked about on this podcast before for Dynamo Zagreb, Mislav Orsic, has a techer. Great goal. Um, I have to check to see if they actually won, if, if Zagreb beat West Ham, because mm-hmm. we, we did not talk about the Europa League at all. Uh, but just a great goal to watch. And he... he uh, Still don't know why that guy hasn't been signed by anybody. I guess he doesn't want to leave Zagreb, but we'll see. So, as you were saying, enjoy them, Tuckers. And uh, just to give you guys a heads up, you know, we talked about the Prem this week. We're going to talk about La Liga and Serie A next week. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Talk to you guys next week.